people deluded i'm back again good morning i hope you're all doing well and safe i hope the same can be said for your family and close ones and loved ones and all of those things yeah most importantly i hope you've got your health thank you very much for tuning back into another edition of the deluded podcast my podcast thank on that note actually because i've seen a lot of positive words and messages and things thank you very much people for your support across you know it's the pod, the podcast sort of stuff I do, so I assume. Well, it's not for me to assume. I should know what platforms I'm on: the Spotify's, the Apple's, the Anchors, the etc. etc. Of course, thank you very much for supporting me on YouTube and whatnot as well. You know, I do try a thing. I actually do a couple articles here and there written. I really should put more effort into that, and that's something I need to look at doing. But yeah, thank you very much for all your support, people. Now. Obviously, the Premier League is, games are coming very thick and fast, and it's getting a bit tricky to do these podcasts, really. For Arsenal this week, we're taking, at least for domestic campaign, to be said, well, you know, we've, we've obviously got back to winning ways. We've got back to winning ways. We beat Southampton. We finally won. I mean, three points away from home and a clean sheet. Someone pinched me. I must be dreaming. Um, yeah, but we've got FA Cup on the weekend. Obviously, I can't get away without saying congratulations to Liverpool. Um, Jurgen Klopp, all his coaching staff, last but by certainly no means least, the players as well, you know, they've shown their consistency over a number of years now, like Liverpool side, they've been building something special, it's clear to see why Oxford Chamberlain went there, but specifically this last year, or 18 months in particular, with the Champions League and now actually crowned Premier League champions, you know, they just laugh it up. It's, it's, it's fantastic, people. They're, regardless of what you say, it's a terrifically assembled side, man. You mean? And what I like as well is that most people don't understand. Liverpool haven't always bought new play. Obviously, they've bought, they've rebranded the team, but people don't look at what Jurgen Klopp's done in terms of coaching. How much, yes, signing Van Dijk makes the difference and it adds to it. But look at the system and how they take defending seriously. Look at the evolution for me, of these two sides, like Liverpool, when Jurgen Klopp finally got his everything going, they were known for their high aggression, high pressing, high intensity from start to finish. And sometimes that worked for them, sometimes it didn't. They've still kept elements of that, they still do that, and that's helped them, because I'm sure Liverpool fans will admit, you know, throughout a campaign, when you're playing like this, there's been times where you might not should have won, or you can't see where the winner's coming, but that energy's got them through it. But me as well, I like seeing how sometimes they just sit back. I mean, you lot know I'm a big fan of Mohamed Salah and Sa- Saido, Saido Mane. Forgive me for mispronunciations. I'm I'm very happy for them because it, it, it gives... For that young lad in Senegal or that young lad in Egypt who, you know, is from them humble beginnings like them two individuals have been, it's possible. And, you know, it never come easy to Mane. He actually ran off from home to become a professional footballer and obviously go to France and other and wherever and he's ended up at Liverpool. You know, Salah, you know, on top of having to overcome adversity and poverty and all these things, doubters, you know. They said he was a Chelsea flop. Then they said he's a one-season wonder. Now they say he's not technically great. I'm a big fan of Mo Salah from the goals to how strong he is to his movement off the ball. A big fan of Wijnaldum, um, Fabinho, Jordan Henderson in particular. These sort of players where, with all due respect, their their jobs are as important um, and as vital to the, obviously the front three, but don't necessarily get the acclaim. Car, you know, they're not pretty on the ball. With all due respect, Wijnaldum is, but Henderson isn't. Um, they've been very good for the team. You know, the consistent levels. I think Liverpool have only lost twice in recent in in, in God knows however many games, man. You look at their keeper. You know, it's not just the keeper; it's the whole defense. But what? 
um, Allison kept 14 clean sheets in 22 games, people. They're on currently 86 points with two defeats. They've only conceded 11 goals, people. God knows how many goals they've actually scored between that team because they've been bullying teams every day, every week, people. They must have close to 100, if not over that, man. It's a fantastic side. And, you know, for me, I guess the next step is how do you keep going? Because... Klopp said, you know, in three years, they'd win a title with him being there. He was two years off. But in that, you know, they've got Champions League final and it's been worth the wait. Their first title since 30 years. He goes down in history at Liverpool. You'd have to speak to a Liverpool fan or someone connected to see where he, where he stacks up. But you'd have to admit he's pretty high up there. And I know, listen, no disrespect to Jordan Henderson, but he can't touch Jordan. Um, he can't touch Steven Gerrard in his prime minute. But you have to say Henderson's up there with just about any Liverpool player or former player now. He's been a part of delivering the title like a lot of them are people. I mean, I always tell you football is in units. The defence, the midfield and the strikers, they all do their roles fantastically well and they all marry it together. The substitutes, I mean, they do their part. And when you're looking at how you improve this team, you know, football's in cycles. Klopp's been there for about five years now. This Liverpool team, you know, they've probably been really good for like three years. I'm sure Liverpool fans like this sort of level or coming into this level. Football works in cycles and clearly Klopp knows this, you know, for one reason or not, it didn't work out with Werner, it didn't work out with Fakir, that's a creative midfielder and a striker, two positions I've got a lot of stick from Liverpool fans for suggesting they need because, um, you know, I don't think any of their players are complacent but you typically see people, I'm not saying this is going to happen to Liverpool, but you see teams dominate for a number of years and then they kind of wobble. Personally, I think it's up to the owners if they want to be, you know, doing this dynasty thing at Liverpool because one trophy in 30 years is one thing. But, you know, the way they are, and I know Chelsea's investing, no doubt United and City are going to try and invest. Arsenal are not involved in any title chances, but we can hope, you know. You'd like to imagine if Liverpool want to keep being up there, they've got to shake, they've got to shake things up, and it's down to the it's down to the board because you know by Liverpool standards, because they've been so good, it's not being spoken about. But you know they didn't get them two targets I just spoke about respectively with Fakir and Werner for whatever reason. You know you're hearing from Liverpool fans I speak to, they say the financial situation doesn't suggest they're going to splash money and whatnot like that. Not that splashing money means anything. I do think they'll make signings. But I just think they probably need to, to freshen things up. And like I said, I don't think Mane and Salah are complacent. But, you know, if every you, you kind of want one, two more players to complicate and give Klopp a positive selection headache with how he fits them in. So everybody's trying that bit harder. Like, I got a lot of stick from some Liverpool fans for suggesting, you know, a striker could come in there and potentially a creative mid. You know, not everybody has to play all the time. And like all fans say, how would they all match up? You know, a number, let's be honest, a number nine, Firmino could be put behind... Or Firmino could stay in his in his false nine position in some games and whatever striker you sign, if you sign Werner, let's say you sign Werner, he sits on the bench. Or what I believe would have happened, you've seen Mane, Salah play through the middle, but I think it would have been that number nine slots in, Firmino probably slots into one of the midfield three as a false nine, as a cam sort of thing. They need one, two things. Like looking at their squad, if I was, if I was Jurgen Klopp, you know, and I know Joe Gomez can do a thing at right back, but can they get another utility man like Milner who can fill in that centre mid, left back, right back and do well? Potentially, could they, again, off the top of my head, I can't tell you one, um, who's pushing um, Robertson for that left back spot? Is there a suitable left back if he, get in, he gets injured? You know, at right back, they've got Trent who's fit and playing almost every game. They can play Joe Gomez there. And if I was Klopp, that would be my next one. Um, and they've also got Williams, the young Welsh lad, making his inroads. But is, a, is right back somewhere to look? Off the bench there, you know, Origi, let's not underestimate anything he's done on the football field because he might not be in first name on the team sheet, but he's played his part 
at some points this season, more so in the Champions League, in my opinion, when they won it. But can they get someone else, you know, whose levels off that bench, or you know, can they get a suitable like like a, you know, can they get a super sub? Can they get someone to bring off the bench and change up things? Can they get that number nine to complicate things for Klopp in the uh, up front? There are a couple of things, and it's down to the board now because Klopp probably wants to do it. The fans definitely want to do it. Those old enough to even remember the last title Liverpool one. It's down to the board now. Do they want to have these great seasons? Or do they want to, you know, kind of run away with it and build a legacy? Because, you know, the other teams are going to react. That's the beauty of the Premier League, you know. Um, somebody's always trying to win it next year. I mean, the, and the the next goal is obviously for Liverpool to retain that trophy. And on that topic, I wonder how long Klopp stays there. Because I believe you should... I'm not saying he should leave now. I'm not, Please don't underestimate what I'm saying, please. Um, I would stay. But I do believe in life you should leave on a high. I, 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 in life, leave when you're ahead. Quit while you're ahead. And if I'm Jurgen Klopp, I'm wondering now. Like, you know, he's the first German um, Premier League winner. Forgive me if I'm wrong in terms of manager. You know, first Liverpool title in 30 years. He's won the Champions League. These are all great personal accolades as well. You know, he's done great things. Next season, you know, you want to stay and try retain it. You know, that's the next goal. Can they retain it sort of thing? If they don't retain it, that might give him the hunger to go again. Or if not, he might think, you know, I've achieved a lot here in England. Like, the only thing he hasn't won. Have they won the League Cup? I'm sure they've been to the final. I know they definitely, Klopp definitely won FA Cup. But, you know, there isn't too much to offer him. And, you know, you have to wonder how long does he want to stay there? Not that he's not motivated or anything, but he's spoken of at times he needs rest and, and a break and stuff. And you've seen Pep Guardiola do that at Bayern Munich. You'd imagine Jurgen Klopp needs that in the Premier League because when you're at the top like Liverpool with all the great standards they've set, the only way is down. So I'm wondering, you know, when... And I know he signed a new deal and, you know, deals are signed all the time. And I think that's great because it gives prospective targets the, the appearance of longevity and the existing players. But you have to wonder when will he be sort of tired because he must be... You know, he must have taken a break to fully soak in the the, the, the the champions and take it all in and all the hard work. But I guarantee you at some point while he was celebrating, yeah, and it all happens. You know when your conscience hits in and you, you're, you're kind of half not there? I guarantee you subconsciously after 30 seconds, he started planning about what he's going to do next season. He started planting seasons to who he's not going to think he... Because any good manager, you have to be paranoid. If Ferguson wasn't paranoid, he wouldn't have been on top. You, do you get it? You have to be paranoid. He always has to think City, United, two teams who shouldn't... United must be vexed at Liverpool getting that now. They're going to come back. Obviously, he's had to... On top of having to be paranoid and wonder what's around you and stuff, he, the energy levels to have to rebuild the team, to deal with transfers, to manage relations, you know, obviously... It hasn't been easy for him. We're all seeing the finished article, but he's had to do a madness, keep reinventing. Even if I said, you see, when he's got half the way there, he's had to reinvent. So I'm clean, keen to see, really in the next two seasons, if Klopp will still be at Liverpool, purely because, you know, he's spoken of going to Germany. And, you know, what has he got left in club football? He's won Bundesliga. He's won it here. I'm sure, you know, he's staying at Liverpool and he's got no reason to leave. I'm not saying he should leave. I'm saying I'm, I'm wondering how he's thinking of such. Because if I was him, you must you must be wondering when's the time to leave sort of thing. Like, you should quit on a high sort of thing. So I wouldn't, I'm, I'm keen to see what happens with Liverpool. But, you know, all I've got to say is congratulations to Liverpool. It's fantastic what they've done. Credit where due. I mean, you know, I, I blessed it with Liverpool fans after they prevented Spurs from winning the Champions League. We've been blessed since ever, that, ever since that. You know, I need to... 
find someone to drop me all the way up to Croxleth in Liverpool and, you know, start doing a shameless thing, celebrating and that. And I mean, even more, which gives me more hope, people, is the last time Liverpool won the league in 1989-90, Arsenal won it the following year. Um, and the last time the league title was won in June, which was 1946-47 to by Liverpool, Arsenal won it the following year. So that's two years, you know, Arsenal have won it after Liverpool. So if we go through history, because history does repeat itself, you know, Arsenal might win Saturday. We might have it since primary. Now, on a serious note, we all know Arsenal ain't winning no league. But congratulations to Jurgen Klopp and everybody connected with Liverpool. Keen to see how Pep Guardiola reacts because, you know, away from obviously being 20-odd points away from Liverpool and losing dumb games and things like that. They've actually been behind in games more times than I'm pretty sure I've actually seen City play as well, people, which is a weird one. Also, before I move away from you, from Liverpool people, shout out to James Milner because he's the only second English player to appear five or more times for two different clubs in a Premier League title winning season, which was a certain, I don't want to say his name, but a certain invincible left back then Chelsea Champions League winner is also there as well. Um, so, yeah, man, obviously in terms of the Premier League, it's been a decent, decent year for Liverpool. It's been a decent couple of games. Obviously, they, they, they beat Palace... Um, They've beaten Crystal Palace and they've played after that as well, people, I'm pretty sure. Who else did they play? They played Palace and... Apologies, people. Where's my notes? Doing me dirty. They played a game after... Yeah, they. sorry, people. They played Crystal Palace and they played Everton. Um, so it's before. The draw was ever, with Everton is to be expected. Both teams lacking clear match fitness. It was quite boring in all honesty, people. Um, against Palace, Liverpool ran riot. You saw the goals, man. Mane getting in the act, Salah doing a Mazza. Really enjoyed Fabinho's goal as well in that 3-0, 3-4. How much did they score? I don't even know, man. Was it 3-4? Yeah, they pumped them. At this point, you don't even... Liverpool are doing cricket scores. Obviously, from a Palace point of view, you're kind of concerned seeing Zaha come off. I'm not sure on the status, but, you know, Zaha's a player that wouldn't want to come off if he didn't want to. Um, so, yeah. And we can't not talk about Trent Alexander-Arnold's free kick, people. That, that was ridiculous. That was... You know, it's never ridiculous. I'm not even shocked because, you know, Trent's got that on lock. So I'm not even... You know, it's to the point. Liverpool don't even shock me no more. Like, they're a mad team. Like, fair play. Credit where due. They're doing a Mazzellini. So, you know, they've got four points from their last two games. They've won the league title. And I'm pretty sure Jurgen Klopp and that, they won't take their foot off the gas or breed any complacency. But, you know, for want of better terms, they probably can take their foot off the gas a bit. Maybe, you know, the likes of Curtis Jones and Harvey Elliott, two players I would love to see get more football. Keen to see what they do with Ryan Brewster, who's having a decent year at Swansea lot of, um, this season and can't obviously play off topic. But, you know, Williams, Curtis Jones, these sort of players, they can maybe start some games, get more opportunities, potentially the likes of Origi, Mimino, who arrived in January. Players that haven't really, Lallana, if fit, players that haven't really started week in, week out. They might be able to get some minutes. Klopp might try something next season as well, because from a tactical point of view, one thing that, again, is not spoken about, Klopp's kept his principles the same, but he keeps evolving this Liverpool team. And that's the key now. Like Liverpool is an open secret by, by as much as fans can. We know they, they, they're good in possession. We know they can devastate on the counter-attack. We know they've got good movement. We know crosses. You have to watch players off the ball. We know, um, you know, they, they, they're a great team, but other teams know this. So you have to keep reinventing. And nobody does that better than the Germans, really and truly. Nobody comprehends needing a conveyor belt and doing things as much as the Germans. So... Klopp has a chance to create legacy here. And if, again, I don't want to speculate because football might not work this way, but you can, if Pep's a bit different, but there, it is feasible for Pep, if he wanted to, to be at City for a significant period of time. And Klopp, you know, could Klopp be 
they Arsene Wenger to Liverpool for want of better terms because you know I don't see any reason to leave beyond what I've mentioned before and you know the case of being able to leave but if he's backed and he's allowed to reinvent this side he could do some good things you know he's got a couple young players waiting in the wings probably need a couple more I, um, you know I'm pretty sure Salah, Mane and that they're in their peak powers now um, and for the players like the players I'm not this is I'm sure you, I'm not. I don't. I'm not questioning any Liverpool players' hunger because they they've shown they're hung, hungry and they've got a taste of winning the Premier League. You'd want to go and do that again, sort of thing. But you'd imagine if you're Mane, Salah, especially Mane, Salah, really, because people got onto him when he came Premier. He's you know he's a legend. He's a Premier League and Liverpool legend. You know he's done his thing for Liverpool in 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 domestic and and you know continental cup competitions and whatnot but like if i'm them you know you if i'm Mane and salah do what do they ever do one of them ever want to leave at leave liverpool because you know you've won everything you've had a great time you've experienced the premier league you know at other clubs as well if a madrid and these teams come after you is that another adventure because you you can't imagine there'd be too many opportunities to make that jump and play for another team because as great as it is you know i've you know i saw it happen to Vieira. you know you get shown the door when you're not there anymore like as much as you're doing great things at Liverpool from a player's perspective, it's all fun and games until you're 30-odd. The manager might say, you know, you're not going to play as much, but you're still important. You might get a 10 games. You know, you might get a little testimonial. You know, you're the club's carrying you. You're not carrying the club sort of thing. And I've I've never... Wa- if I ever was a professional footballer, I never wanted to be them sort of man just staying at the club for time. Um, and I'm sure there must be players that think like that. If that's what they're on, cool. Because, I mean, you know, you can't underestimate being comfortable. Comfy playing for his manager comfy in what he's doing so we'll have to see what happens in in that regards and how it moves forward and how it changes and and all of these sort of things but um yeah man it sounds it's, it's decent at liverpool man you know it's, it's listen from obviously i'm an i'm an arsenal fan first and foremost but you know i'm not one of these tribal football fans i like to get inspired by stuff and i'm not jealous of liverpool but from someone that likes coaching and things like that it's admirable people it's admirable how Klopp is as a human like he's very meticulous but he's your he's your friend at the same time obviously as much as you can be a friend to a player you know the players you know I, I really like I, listen I, I, we've, we've spent a long time on Liverpool so let's move on people let's let's move on obviously you saw Southampton lose to Arsenal we'll get on to that but Southampton before losing to Arsenal beat Norwich 3-0 Norwich are probably going down because they also lost 1-0 to Everton Wolves beat Bournemouth. Since coming back to the Premier League, Leicester has have been in two draws with Watford and I believe Brighton, respectively. I could be wrong. Newcastle and Villa drew. Burnley got back to winning ways against Watford, who Watford are in that relegation race, and I'm sure they're upset about that. It's been tough for Sheffield United. You know what? They've been hit 3-0 two times against Newcastle, forgive me if I'm wrong, and also Man United. I felt against Sheffield, Bruno Fernandes was overdoing it. I feel Pogba was good. But the main player on that pitch from a United perspective, I'm pretty sure that is that his first hat-trick for United. It's definitely the first hat-trick since Alex Ferguson left. You also saw Martial get the match ball. And obviously Newcastle beat them 3-0. So I'm sure Sheffield in the FA Cup want to take out their problems on Arsenal people. Um, in relation to Spurs, you obviously Spurs saw Spurs beat West Ham 2-0. Obviously, Villa came from Chelsea came from behind against Villa to beat Aston Villa, and they obviously won two one last night against Man City as well. City, you know, don't know what to say. They're gonna have to just bring out the checkbook. From a Chelsea perspective, you know, Pulisic seven goals. He looks a bit confident now. Maybe a bit of that is seeing Hakim Ziyech linked with Werner. Maybe knowing the club's plans, he wants, you know, he wants to be more than a bench player. He wants to show Lampard I can be part of this. 
Um, so we'll have to see what happens in that regards. The games are coming thick and fast in the Premier League. I'm not going to lie, people. Um, going back to Man City versus, well, just Man City for a moment in time. Obviously, Kevin De Bruyne's strike was amazing. And with his 10 goals and 10 assists, he's become the first Premier League player this season to register double figures for both goals and assists in the competition. I mean, the man's insane. For me, he's without, I know, you know, if it goes to a Liverpool player, you can't fault it. Um you know, there's plenty of cases to make with Liverpool winning the PFA. But for me, if it was ter in terms of the best player, I think it's been Kevin De Bruyne this season. Um, and I think the stats suggest that. And obviously, since 2015, since making his debut for City, Kevin has scored more goals has scored more goals from outside out of the penny area um, than any other player. So, yeah, he's a terrific player. He's the modern-day creative midfielder and he's the modern-day central midfielder. Let's call him that because he does the dirty work as well. Very much a complete player. Um, obviously against Burnley for City they won 5-0 I didn't mention it obviously you know players got to run out Phil Foden was balling out Mahrez was snatching people's souls for no reason against Chelsea Fernandinho was sent off people and he's received his sixth sixth sorry red card since his since joining City in 2015 at least two more than any other player in the Premier League in all comps during this period so yeah maybe that's something he needs to getting and as well i can't lie people am i wrong in saying benjamin mendy's overrated like in the sense of i really like him as a player i'll take him at arsenal i think he's a good player there's not many teams he doesn't get into in the premier league um i think he's a nice guy but i think he's praised for his attacking talents and i think he just doesn't concentrate enough and you saw it against chelsea i mean his best performances have been on social media versus city with all due respect to him really like he's had better seasons on social don't get it twisted i think he's a baller i think he's very resilient to bounce back from his injuries but i think you know i i, I think he would drive me mad if i was pep guardiola i know i know aurier doesn't play for city but could you imagine aurier right back and and my man at left back you'd have a heart attack people you would have a heart attack <laughs> it would be a serious mashup um in relation to spurs i didn't mention it but kane got back to you know usual scoring goals um Hoping on when a Bamian will do that. It's been three games and my FPL team is dying, bro. We need your gate, your goals. Is he lacking confidence? Strikers are a weird one because he probably is. When you're scoring goals for fun, you try things. It does seem like a Bamian does feel a bit like he looks like he feels he's still getting in positions and going, but it's like and maybe he's not fully fit, but it's like nothing can go right. Like the, he should have scored when he hit the crossbar against Southampton, but stuff like that, or trying to pass for Eddie. Um, I think he, you know, it is going to play on you. You know, strikers are some of the most self-reflecting individuals. He must be thinking about the lack of goals in his game, people. So get back to winning way, um, scoring ways and, you know, in tandem with Arsenal going into winning ways. Obviously, this has been a weird, since the last time we spoke, it's been a weird one. It started off poorly. You know, we carry, Arsenal carried on where they left off against City. Um, with losing to Brighton, we let Brighton come from behind, obviously. For me, those two goals in that game were disgraceful. We switched off for the first one. The last one, we wasn't following following players. Obviously, it was a bit bitter and distasteful scenes after Arsenal lost. And there was a, you know, with Leno's injury and Mupe, who was getting in handbags. And, you know, we look silly. Like, I like Gwendozi showing that passion on and off the field. But it's just, we look silly. We lost... We lost the players you were calling, like, all of us allegedly were calling, you know, worse than us, earn less money. They what they beat us, you know, and they know what's going to happen on social media. But forward into South, and obviously it's, it's nice to know Leno's out for a matter of weeks, not months, people. And it was lovely to see Pepe score that goal, but, and Saka continue his adaptability. But beyond that, there wasn't too much more positives in the Brighton game. Back to Southampton now, you know, 2-0, clean sheet, three points, three points away from home. We can't win the Premier League or the Champions League or qualify for that. But it's at least it was a night Arsenal fans could sleep well. 
in relation to Southampton. I mean, I said it in my preview on YouTube. If you watch the game against Norwich, you know, they won 3-0, but in the first half, they could have lost 3-0. I think they were better in the first half against us than Norwich, maybe because of match preparation. But, you know, they set up in a 4-4-2. Ings had a couple of chances, you know. Um, but other than that, I don't think Arsenal created enough. I don't feel we... You know, really made McCarthy work in that game, really tested him to his maximum. We really were just able to exploit two errors. Obviously, we pressed well, especially Eddie and Ketia, and McCarthy's lapse in concentration led to the goal. For the second one, from a simple throw, and Southampton, sorry, looked better in the second half. They had more shots, and we was up against it. That's another thing. But um, Heuberg, it's a poor kick out from, he gets thrown the ball, it's, it's a poor blind pass. He puts his mate Jack Stevens as a last, in last man in defence in trouble. You know, he's not quicker than Aubameyang. He tries to make it. He misses. He gets sent off. From the resulting free kick, Lacazette takes it. Second shot um, is followed up with Lacazette shooting. And again, McCarthy's had a, a lapse in concentration because he spilt the ball into the path of Joel Willock, who's been allowed to claim his first Premier League goal, um, which is a good moment for him and a bit of history in, in, in his young career that's just started. Um, so we took advantage of two poor bits of play. But I don't think we created enough. We didn't really, you know, there weren't too much movement for the man in front. But... We, when we did look like we was going to score, it was down the left a couple of times with Saka, with Aubameyang, with, you know, two nice balls from Xhaka and Tini, the highlights of our game. But more often than not, we're not really playing these cutting-edge edge passes. We're not really putting them under any real sustained pressure. We're not shooting enough. Um, positives, I think holding looked good, especially in the air. I think we held our shape well. And I think from a tactical point of view, with having Tierney at left-back, but more or less operating as half as a left-back, more so an inside centre-half slash left-back hybrid with Saka, who's meant to be, who actually played against City in midfield, was more a left wing-back in this role, which was allowing Aubameyang to kind of not, kind of come off the flank slightly and be more of a striker. And obviously, had Xhaka gravitating more to the left-hand side naturally. Um, down the right-hand side, I, I think Bellerin was quite poor for us. I think he gave the ball away 11 times in, in a 33-minute space, I counted at one point. Um, he passed statistically only to Pepe twice and 10 or 11 times, I can't remember, I think 10 times back to Mustafi. So Bellerin has to do more in the final third. He needs to do more in the wing-back position. Obviously, there's a lot of work to be done with getting, you know, a real good solid attack going down the right-hand side. We know Pepe's had injuries and not been informed. Bellerin's been in and out of the side. So there's been a lot of factors, but there's a lot to be done. There's a lot of game management improvements to be done with Arsenal. But at the end of the day, I'll take a 3-0 victory, people. Um, big up Joe Willett, like I said, for scoring. And obviously, Eddie and Ketty are two homegrown lads. For Eddie, it now means he scored six goals from just 11 starts in all comps this season for both Arsenal and Leeds. Um, two for Leeds, four for Arsenal. So for Arsenal, he's been doing his thing. And, you know, that's all you can do, whether you agree with, with him starting over Lacazette. He's, you know, he's backing up he's backing up Arteta's confidence. He's scoring and playing well. In fact, when he last lost his space to Lacazette against Brighton, he arguably didn't deserve that. So, he's, you know, he's the top dog. For Lacazette, if I'm Lacazette, the age I'm at, the contract I've got, you know, with my future at hand, I'd really stop and think, like, how poor am I playing that this manager, with all due respect to Eddie, you know, I've played for my country, I've been around the block sort of thing, and you're playing this guy who, if I'm cynical, couldn't even get into Leeds ahead of me. it make me consider my future rightly or wrongly, and it would make me give me a kick up the bum. As for Eddie, we don't know if he's ever going to prove able to be like the replacement to a Bamian, able to do this 20 league goals thing, or what I believe right now he's doing a squad player, but you know, he's, he's answering his questions. I do think, I don't know, what I'm about to say might not make sense when you consider a Bamian, but I think he likes Eddie over Lacazette because Eddie looks a bit more mobile, he's able to press that bit better and stuff like that. 
Um, I'm not too sure if Eddie's hold-up play currently, as much as I think he's improved at that and got stronger, is better than like, than Aubameyang's. But um, you would have thought if he likes to press and stuff, play Aubameyang through the middle rather than on the left. But I don't know. At the end of the day, we won. We got away with three points. It is what it is in that regards. Back to... Um, Obviously, nice to see two academy players score. For Willock, you know, six of Willock's eight goals for Arsenal this season um, have come from come away from home with, um, obviously, his first his first goal against Southampton in technically his 26th appearance in the competition. The last time two English players under um, age 21 or under scored in the same league game for Arsenal was back in 1989 when a certain Michael Thomas and the late, great David Rollcastle did that. So, you know, we've got a long way before them to... Uh, these current two players can be mentioned in the same breath as them, but it's a lovely statistic to have. For Joel Willock as well, he's joined the likes of Ian Wright, Thierry Henry, Mark Overmars, Jimmy Carter and Dennis Burkamp to score their first ever league goal for Arsenal against Southampton. So, you know, again, long way to go, but if you could be in the same bracket or even have a, a, a quarter of the success that these respective players had or be, were held in regards by Arsenal faithful, you have a decent career, man. So shout out to Joel for that. Um, 32% of our goals this season in all comps from an Arsenal perspective have been scored by players aged 21 or under um, and obviously Martinelli's got 10 Nelson has 2 four, Eddie's got 4 Bakayo Saka's got 3 and Joel's chipped in with 5 um, Eddie's also the first Arsenal player to score away at Portsmouth and Southampton in the same area um, so you know he's, he's chinged up both of them um, you know so we move forward from that um, sadly, in relation to Burnley, you all saw, and I, I made a video about it, and this is a lot of things, a lot of people display their stupid opinions with this. I'm sure you all saw the White Lives Matter stuff. Now, once again, white lives do matter. Saying black lives matter doesn't mean white lives don't. And if you take that from that, that's sort of the problem. That's why black lives do matter, because you see it as a threat, you see it as an attack on white lives. All black people have wanted for 400 years now is to be treated equally, to be, you know, not feel insecure about our hair, not panic any time we walk down the street, be held accountable to the same laws and and, and, and governs of other of, of, of other people because there's a lot of disparities between if, if certain colours or certain people get prison sentences for a bag of things. Right is right and wrong is wrong sort of thing, people. And, you know, it takes away the message. A lot of people saying, white lives matter too. Uh, there's nothing racist with saying it. No, there isn't, but you're showing up your ass. Why are you not saying white lives matter when black people are not saying that? Are not saying black lives matter? Why have you got to fly a plane over that? It displays ignorance. And it's lovely to see Ben Mee, the player, come out and speak about that because he understands it's not attack on white lives. It's not saying one set of lives is more important than the other. It's simply highlighting black people losing their lives. Sadly, in America, for a bunch of dumb reasons, England is not. England might not be publicised as much and clearly we haven't got the same landmass as America, but there's a lot of issues. Do you get it? You know, it's it's sad, it's sad people. And for me personally, race is one of those things I speak about. But I'm not trying to hear other opinions on if they're not if it's ignorance. And we know ignorance is bliss; it has no place in it. So I'm just gonna say, shout out to Ben Me for saying that. Um, shout out to Burnley for distancing themselves with it. Shame on the individual who's now lost his job and someone has shut down the GoFundMe. Someone raised for my man. Um, as a result, I think his wife has lost a role as well. Um, not that I care. Um, racism is gonna is not never gonna go away so we're just gonna have to deal with it and if you want to hear my extended opinions of that please go and watch my youtube video on such um frank lampard was speaking in relation to raheem sterling's comments about privilege and i think lampard got the wrong end of the stick really because i don't think 
Lampard understands how privilege works. Being someone who went private school and got to study Latin and them things, obviously he's got a famous uncle in Harry Redknapp and a former play and a former um, dad for a player. Um, so I don't think he understands the position, the privilege he was born into, and the privilege he has in relation to his journey. And I think he's seen it as an attack on his career, saying he's taking shortcuts. It's not. It's more at like the dynamics of play. Obviously, if you look at the two individuals of, of Lampard and York, people might make personal comments of York and his, and how he deals with things off the field, which are irrelevant. Why is it that 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 Frank Lampard's uncle is able to call up Derby's owner and get him an interview um, off the back of no real credentials other than being in a Sky Sports studio? He's got that. Really, at Derby, did a good job, but with, with, on t away from just being a Chelsea faithful, a Chelsea lad, what reason was it for him to get the Chelsea job? I'm not critiquing him. I think he's the right man. I'm painting the picture. But Dwight York, who got a, a reference from the great Alex Ferguson, couldn't secure an interview. This is the sort of things we're looking at. We're not discrediting you, Lampard. You had your ideas. You was ready. But somebody allowed you to get into that position. Why is it that black managers can't do that? And obviously, a lot of white managers have different... Um, things at play there's not only just racism it's also classism and the old guards club at play, at play. but we all know that disadvantages BAME individuals the, 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 bet, the most um, Lampard has said I think in the actual case of managers I think he got it from my point of view slightly wrong those opportunities have to be equal for everyone I think we all agree on that but within that there are details on how hard you've worked and that's it he's not saying you haven't worked hard it's just You've been given an opportunity. You've worked hard and you've been met halfway. That's all black folk want, really. And he said, I certainly worked from the start of my career to try get this opportunity. And there's a million things along the way that knock you back, set you back, that you fight against. But with Raheem, the individual comparison, when you don't have the detail of each person's pathway, I felt that wasn't quite right. And again, I felt that out slightly because I wanted to say that Raheem as a player and as a person and what he stood up for over the past two years, I think has been fantastic. So I don't think, I think Frank Lampard, like a lot of people in life, they see it as a personal attack on them and trying to knock them when that's the furthest thing from the case, people. Um, moving away from that, though, and I'd actually like to say big up Manchester United. As we know, this is a time of year when, you know, a lot of Arsenal players have been released. Players are being released or clubs are announcing their release list. As you imagine, not everyone can be a pro footballer. Sadly, a lot of these scholars will not be footballers in the next two years. Some of them are going to trial at other clubs. Some of them are going to get new clubs. Some of them are going to go through a lot of journeys. Some There's going to be a couple that we probably forget their names now. They're probably at all clubs, play, play Premier League a couple years. So never lose hope. Remember, football is a game of opinions, but... Head of Academy at United, Nick Cox, has said, we don't think it's right that the boys just disappear. This club's a family. This club looks after its family members. And why he's saying that, people, is because Manchester United have decided against releasing any player under the age of 19 due to the corona circumstances and are also helping those young pros leaving. Financial packages have been offered to a number of players to help them until the end of August and they've been invited back to train. So that allows them to not worry, at least for now, not worry about financial stuff, how they're going to pay their bills and put food in their bellies and the family's bellies. They're obviously allowed to still come and train so they can keep up their fitness and be in the best condition to go and trial at other clubs. Who knows? You might, 
impressed so much because this happens, you know. Some some players at Arsenal were released, but they 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 got to stay and come back so much. They were offered scholarships, offered a new deal. But you know, you're you're allowed finances. You're allowed to obviously come back into the training ground to train and keep fit. I think that's also good mentally because it gives them a sense of purpose. If they're not going to play for United, at least for a moment of time, they can wake up, get in their car, continue their routines because that's what kills footballers. You know, when you're that footballer, you're used to waking up, going to the training ground, doing your thing. But come 8 a.m., you're still at yard. You're seeing your friends on Instagram at training and stuff. You're still at yard. You know, you're not really. You're still at yard day in day out. You know, there's. You you got to train your training by yourself, and your motivation levels might drop, or you might become depressed. You know, you're seeing other people in your situation get clubs, but your phone isn't ringing, your agent isn't doing things. You know, you might even try to do like Hargreaves once did YouTube videos to get your name out, but nothing isn't happening. So I think from a mental point of view, at least being able to go into an establishment, still train, still kind of you know being around people and stuff, I think that's a very good thing for these young players because football is a lonely place, especially when you get released people because just looking at the Manchester United release list people, some is quite sad. Um, you know, you look at Largi Ramagazi, I mean, I think he's got an afro and he plays for United. He's a decent player. I believe he was offered a deal but turned it down and he's expected to move to a second division Spanish side. Then you've got people like, you know, Cameron Borfrich Johnson, Jackson, sorry, who, you know, has played Premier League, played in the Prem for Manchester United. You know, I'm sure he's played against Arsenal. Um, gone on a couple of loans and not clearly not done a thing there. But, you know, and now he hasn't got a club. This is how quick football can change. You look at Dimitri Mitchell, someone that was seen a long time ago as someone that could move up to that level of Man United. Now, allegedly, he's been offered some championship clubs, a couple of Premier League teams, some German teams. He's a decent player. But looking at that list, people, you know, Cameron, Dimitri, Kieran O'Hara, Aiden Barlow, a couple of decent players, people at that point. So it's a difficult one. So we're going to have to see what happens. And not just at United or Arsenal or anything else. Um, I want any player to get over this, man. I want uh, any player because it's sad people. People don't see it. People don't see these players. Listen, 16 is the most dangerous time because, you know, in two years you might not be playing football. There's many players. I told you, like, when I used to bunk school and go watch Arsenal's academy, there's certain players that are playing for SE Dons now. No disrespect to them because um, SE Dons is a good thing. I'm showing how quickly things can change. And some people just not in the game at all, people. This is how quickly the game can change. It just takes an injury, difference of opinion um, or something else. Football can change for the better or worse in an instant, much like life. So it's a bit of a dodgy one. Moving away from that, though, and focusing on transfers, though, people. Um, Barley Mumba, a very decent player at Sunderland. I didn't agree with the loan he went to. Is it like to six shields or something like that? Um, Norwich, who are very good for getting youngsters. And oh, sorry, before I continue with that, people... To, to highlight how football is a funny game of opinions, yeah? Most people won't know this, and they're not first named on the team sheet, but if you go and look at Southampton's bench for the last couple of games, you'll see Nathan Teller, and I'm pretty sure for Norwich, you'll see Josh Martin. These were two players which I don't think they were necessarily released by Arsenal. They were allowed to move and seek other clubs. I think Teller might have been released. But look at them. They've gone away to other clubs, and they're on the bench in the Premier League. I think Martins even made, has made his debut for Norwich's first team and played well in their reserves and second string. So football's a funny old game of opinions, people. It's never too late. Never give up, you know. You've got to stay strong. But moving away, Norwich are very good with finding young players, like they saw with finding Madison, and he's gone, gone off to do other things. But they've agreed um, a deal to sign Sunderland, Sunderland youngster Barley Mumba. That's going to be decent. Jude Bellingham's expected to complete a move to Borussia Dortmund, as you lot know, but apparently Man United and Bayern Munich are still trying to go in for him, and I think he's going to be a fantastic player. I'm all sure you've seen, well, you've seen the reports Barcelona's players aren't happy with it, 
But Barcelona's Brazilian midfielder Arthur allegedly is close to moving to Juventus in a sort of swap plus money deal for both parties. It's kind of bewildering, which you'll see 30-year-old Pjanic join, which, you know, it doesn't make sense. You're replacing someone with seven years dead junior. Pjanic is a baller. I love him, but yeah, surely it shouldn't be 72 million and departing with a player because Arthur's got more resale value and he's got more legs in him simply. So, yeah, man, Barcelona haven't exactly been making the most sensible decisions off the field Apparently, prior to, um, you, you know, Corona, we were re ready to offer William a 250-a-week deal, which wouldn't make sense, man. Pour that on a Bamian. Doesn't make sense. But for what it's worth, apparently he's in talks about renewing his deal with Chelsea. Um, Pedro's agreed a deal to stay at Chelsea to the end of this campaign, but he'll be joining Roma, which I'm keen to see how that, if any, impacts our deal for Mkhitaryan being sold there. Um, Leeds are in talks, allegedly, the Athletic said, to... Um, Sign a very talented Jaden Ray Raymond who can play on the flanks as well as in central midfield um, on, a, um, on, on a deal because he's rejected, I suppose, a deal with Crystal Palace. He's been linked with Benfica, a couple Portuguese teams, but that would be quite the coup for um, Leeds because I think he's got a fantastic future. Um, apparently, Spurs will have to focus on loan signings and free agents, um, such as Levy told Jose Mourinho. Apparently, Jose agreed a deal for Munier, who's gone to Borussia Dortmund, before Levy talked specifically with the players' camp and Levy made it break down. Make of that what you will. Apparently, Coutinho's agent, once again, is keen on him to join Arsenal. We'll see how it goes. Um, Brendan Rodgers has said um, Madison's got the perfect place for him at Leicester in relation to him being linked with Man United. Um, James Rodriguez, James Rodriguez is still being linked to every Premier League team, so I'm going to leave that one there. Asu Fati of, of Barcelona, lovely young player, has been linked with United. It's clearly was. I would love Arsenal to, to buy Shobozlai. He's been linked with us again, but so is he for PSG and AC Milan. You know, Ndombele and Jose Mourinho's relationship appears to be on the floor, people. And apparently, you know, Dembele's told... told um, told thingy he never wants to play for him again jose never wants to play for him again and you're hearing reports where barcelona wanted him before spurs move they want to sign him on a two-year loan deal with an obligation to buy um apparently the latest bust up between the coach and the, and the player happened in on monday apparently he's also wanted at psg as well people apparently the director has other thoughts in mind but um thomas tuchel wants end on Bile, so we'll have to see what happens Another, apparently in Arsenal regards, Saka is close to signing a new deal. Until it is signed, nothing's a given. Um, apparently, Guendouzi's had a... I've done a video on it, so I don't want to go over the same things. But apparently, Macho's had a bust-up with Arteta or the players or whatever. Not the players, coaching staff and arcs to leave. Now, if 40, 50 million is put on the table, I would bite someone's hand off for that. I think Guendouzi can be a decent player and I think he can be part of this club's future. And I don't want to sell him, but that can fund Partey's move or fund other things to fix up the spine of this team. I do think there's, there's definitely a couple more midfielders I'd sell before Matteo, but he needs to get his act together because it feels like he's either going to be a very decent player or he's just going to underwhelm. And, you know, he's, the talent is there. The attitude at some points is there. So he's just got to challenge it, channel it sorry, on a positive basis. Um, we already know Sane's confirmed or Pep Guardiola kind of confirmed Sane's intention to leave uh, Man City and he'll probably complete, complete an anticipated move to Bayern Munich, which would be quite the steal for £40 million. Pounds. Bruno Guimaraes, who was linked with Arsenal before he moved to Lyon, um, and he's been quite good in France. He said he intends to play in either La Liga or the Prem one day. 
He said, I've always said to my agents that I dream of playing in England. It's the best league in the world. All the matches are close. So hopefully Arsenal are paying attention to that. Juventus have been linked with Aubameyang, but also there's been a, a reports quashing that link. So make of that what you will, people. Um, on that note, though, I'm going to get out of here. It's been a lovely, fantastic podcast. So like I said, congratulations to Liverpool and all those things. But for now, DG, I'm out.